0: They don't come here to attack us because we're rich and we're free. They come and they they attack us because we're over there. We don't need to go populist left or populist right. We don't need to embrace neo-Marxism or neo-fascism, these disastrous movements from the 20th century. Turns out the answer is pretty much our Bill of Rights. Our story. Embrace freedom. That's the answer. And if the LP has a
1: purpose, it's not to put people to sleep. It's to wake them
2: up. We're here because we love liberty. And we're here because we hate injustice. We are here to save mankind. We are here to fight.
0: Join us, the Libertarian Party, in perhaps the most exciting, grandest endeavor in history, the restoration of America liberty. Ideas spread. They can't stop them. An idea whose time has come cannot be stopped by any army or any government.
2: Hi, welcome to episode three of Decentralized Revolution, a podcast from the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus and Mises Pack. I had said on our last episode with Jacob Hornberger that my next guest was going to be Joshua Smith, the Mises Caucus endorsed candidate for chairman of the Libertarian National Committee. We've had some scheduling issues between Josh and me. Uh, We hope to have him on the next episode. So in the meantime, we have something that came together fairly quickly, uh, kind of an impromptu debate between, uh, I think, the two main candidates for vice chair of the Libertarian National Committee, uh, Ken Molman and Richard Longstreth. I'm really pleased at how this episode turned out, even though it's kind of long Uh, It's an opportunity to learn about the issues facing the Libertarian Party and what these uh, two guys uh, think they can bring to the table to help us overcome some of those things. So I think this will be a good episode, both for longtime Libertarian Party activists and relative newcomers. Now, in case you were wondering, the Mises Caucus has not endorsed anyone in this race yet. I don't know if that's something we're going to do down the line, but we have endorsed Joshua Smith for chair. We have endorsed Jacob Hornberger for the presidential ticket for the Libertarian Party. And uh, we are we have lots of plans for Austin, and we need your help. So if you want to be a delegate, if you want to support people financially who want to be delegates but can't quite swing it on their own, uh, you need to get in touch with us. So go to caucus.com and check out how you can give to Mises Pack there, how you can let us know that you do want to be a delegate in affiliation with the Mises Caucus at the Libertarian National Convention, which takes place in Austin, Texas over Memorial Day weekend. You can also reach me at our Facebook page, just Libertarian Party Mises Caucus, I'm usually the guy who answers the messages to that page. And you can also email me at communications at lpmesiscaucus.com. Now let's get into my interview with Ken Molman and Richard Longstreth. All right, guys, how are you doing today? Hey, good. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you both on. Uh, This is the first time I've recorded one with a a three-way call. Um, And uh, we're going to try to go an hour or so. Being libertarians, you know how that might go. Uh, one thing I do want to disclose is that um, this is just going to be a, a friendly collegial debate we 're not going to do what the Democrats and Republicans do of scrupulously looking at the at the timer and me buzzing you or anything like that um, and also uh, with that said I, I actually know Ken pretty well we 've worked together before. He hired me to be the finance director and the press secretary for Travis Irvine's governor campaign in Ohio, which he ran a couple of years ago. So we have a previous association. I don't know Richard at all. I just heard of him a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I just wanted to disclose that and 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 declare my intention to stay out of this as much as possible and just and let you guys get your points across. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
2: Okay. Let's start with uh, Richard. Uh, tell us who you are and, uh, and why you're running.
1: Sure. Uh, well, my name is Richard Longstreth. Um, I have uh, been in the party for a number of years at this point. Um, I started off um, at my local group uh, in uh, Tennessee and um, wasn't real involved with leadership. And then when I moved across the country to Colorado, um, instantly when I got out there, I got involved in Colorado leadership. Um, during my time on state leadership, I uh, was the regions director, which is responsible for expanding regions uh, to county groups and that sort of thing, and spreading the message there, trying to start. Party. Parties. Um, I was also the campaigns director for a uh, small time and also the vice chair. So I've kind of hit um, all major areas as far as uh, what a state really focuses on and that sort of thing. Uh, additionally, I've also uh, run as the, I ran as a, for Congress in 2016 for Colorado's second congressional district, uh, broke records there, beat Gary Johnson in my district. Uh, so proud of that one. Um, and, uh, you didn't have,
2: you didn't have Bill Well dragging you down. No, I did not. Not at (laughs) all. Not at
1: all. Um, and so after my time in Colorado, about uh, two years ago, um, I got a uh, job uh, where I had to move to uh, my corporate offices. Um, and they relocated me to, uh, Arizona, uh, where I've been working, uh, since. And at that time, I obviously transitioned out of Colorado leadership, uh, ran for LNC, uh, as the region one representative, uh, and have been doing that for the last two years, uh, and being involved in that aspect.
2: Uh, Real quick, how did you, uh, when did you become a libertarian and what made you want to get involved in the party?
1: Sure. Um, Well, I would say, you know, it's a kind of a stereotypical answer. Everybody always says I've been a libertarian forever. Um, I'm not going to blow smoke. I I was raised a conservative Republican. Um, I, uh, in high school, had some questions about what exactly that meant. Um, I am a pansexual, uh, so I don't quite fit the mold uh, as far as uh, what a Republican thinks a society should look like and that sort of thing. Um, And so um, I was already questioning coming out of uh, high school. I loved politics. I wanted to study politics, and I got my degree in uh, political science and international excuse me, international relations. Um, And while I was in college, um, I really started exploring the political spectrum. Um, I actually uh, worked on the college uh, Republicans for a little bit, uh, worked uh, as a college uh, Democrat for a little bit after that. uh, And then I went and founded a college independence at my university uh, because there was no other organization. I had never heard of the Libertarian Party or y'all or any of the other kind of college organizations. Uh, Once I left college, that's where I started to try and expand and get involved uh, more locally um, and just. Didn't take a leadership role. You know, when you graduate college, your life's getting started and that sort of thing. So, wasn't real active there, but did make it to a couple of meetings, uh, a couple months in a row, and that sort of thing before transitioning to Colorado.
2: Okay. uh Great. uh Ken, same same question to you.
1: All right.
0: Uh, well, I've been a member of the party since 98. Uh, I got active in 2006. Uh, actually, it's entertaining because I never really heard anything from the party uh, from 1998 until 2006. And, you know, now having been more involved in national and knowing a bit of our history of what was going on in 1999 and 2000, I kind of understand why uh, I wasn't contacted for some time. Uh, I was a three-term state chair. I've served a total of six years, and I you served in the double entendre way. Uh, the, I was a candidate in 2011 for Kentucky State Treasurer. I believe I had the top number of votes in 2011 uh, nationwide for all of our candidates, although uh, being an off year, there's not a whole lot of races. Uh, and actually somebody, you know, Aaron and some other LP Ohio people would know Mark Noble came in second uh, oh, yeah. behind me. So
2: in Kentucky, I didn't know you ran down there. Okay. Yes, sir.
0: I did. Oh. I did. Uh, I've been a campaign manager multiple times. Uh, first, that's actually the first thing I got involved with was I was helping a guy who then became my friend. Uh, to run for U.S. Congress, and we were the first campaign to break the Libertarian 2, that we called it, Uh, that everybody kept getting 2%. We pulled 4.9 in a race where we had $750 against $10 million. Um, That was an interesting race, and we got into debates, and we prepped, and we did a really good job, and I was very happy with that race. Uh, Other things I've done, I've chaired multiple committees, both at the state and the national level. I've also held other positions on other committees. I've, I've held, I think, almost every position at some point in the state of Kentucky at some committee level, secretary, treasurer, vice chair, et cetera, uh, for some subcommittee or another. Um, and, you know, I think the main thing um, that, you know, the reason I'm in this race is that I think it's really about priorities. I think it's a matter of, um, you know, the, the LNC has a pot of money, and it's a question of where does that pot of money get spent? and uh, that for me uh is uh, a heavy priority put on ballot access and then followed immediately by affiliate support okay. so that's why i'm running
2: so are i'm also a re- recovering republican like richard are you too is that you came from the that side or or non-political or
0: officially yes uh i was registered republican for 2 years from 1996 to 1998 um I was on board with the whole contract with America thing, which was all about taking federal stuff, putting it down to states, states down to local, um, localization. I was always on board with localization. And, um, so when the contract with America very famously failed, uh, probably culminating in 1998, actually, I still remember what made me decide, uh, was the, uh, Republicans still controlled the Senate. And they proposed reintroducing speed limits, uh, mandatory federal speed limits, which is right. like the one thing the contract with America actually succeeded at doing, right. getting rid of those federal um, mandated maximums. Uh, and that was it for me. I, I was like, I'm done. So I was talking to a friend of mine. He's like, hey, it sounds like you're a libertarian. I'm like, what's a libertarian? Um, looked it up. I'm like, yeah, this looks good. I joined the party. Uh, and then Harry Brown came to Louisville in 1999. And I was hooked.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh, so that's how I got here great officially i was a republican for two years but was i really a republican i don't know
2: yeah i've got a pretty black record on that i used to i was chairman of the college republicans back in my day and all that but we won't go into that (laughs) um so um
0: we all come from somewhere
2: yeah we all do um and i'm i'm glad that we're starting to get more people from other places too yeah um tell me richard um i want you each to kind of uh explain what the lnc is why is it called the lnc rather than the just the libertarian party sure how does it work who's on it and uh You know, what does it do? Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what the LNC
1: is, is the LNC is the Libertarian National Committee. Um, The way I think of it is it's uh, somewhat of a board of directors uh, related to the uh, National Party and how they interact with headquarters. Um, We give direction to LP headquarters, uh, which is actually going to be the staff, um, the executive directors involved there. A number of of paid staff are there doing uh, quite a few projects, including our fundraising arm. So, the um, LNC acts as the supervisory board to that. Um, Now, the LNC is elected uh, every two years at uh, the national conventions, um, and uh, people get put in those places. Obviously, Ken and I are running for uh, vice chair, but we also elect chair, secretary, treasurer. Um, There are regions uh, in the country, uh, and I represent region one right now, they're also uh, at large spots. So um, that is basically what the makeup is. Um, and the reason why we're not just called the LP uh, or the Libertarian Party is the Libertarian Party is made up of uh, both uh, LPHQ, the LNC, the affiliates and local county groups as well. So the Libertarian Party encompasses all of those sorts of things. And the LNC is just one very specific part of, of what is that makeup.
2: And, and so the LNC being the board, how many people with the alternates or without the alternates does, is, is on the LNC? How many people are on there?
1: Uh, so there are four officers. We've got uh, five at large and then the regions um, right now, I believe there are eight. Uh, however, that uh, the threshold is set where you need 10% to form a region. So there's the potential to have up to 10 regions. Um, okay. And there are certainly uh, things that are being discussed to maybe change that threshold or, or change how the LNCs make up. But that's where we're at these days.
2: Okay, Ken. Does that did he cover all the all the bases there on what the LNC is and what it does, what its legal and you know official role is?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that it, and it does tie into my campaign, so I'll mention it that the LNC does is set priorities, and they do Absolutely. that through the, through the edicts of you know, and usually it is through staff. Sometimes it's through outside contractors or outside companies, um, but it, it is a a uh, financial. Often making financial decisions on what to spend money on, what not to spend money on, uh, extremely important decisions. Um, and so the other thing is that technically speaking, while there could be ten regions, the math, the way that's worded today, the math is not real. Like it have to it, to the very member break out everything perfect. So typically, uh, while I've been involved, there have been eighteen members uh, of the board and only in the last couple of years have there been a handful of states well there's always been off and on a couple of states that won't play nice and so we end up with eight regions instead of nine um but the idea and the idea behind that by the way is that there's a balance right you've got nine coming from regions and then nine the four officers and the five at large elected at large at convention so you've got kind of a balance of of power there
2: yeah
0: which I, i think is good
2: all right, and I want can answer this. Tell me uh, again, kind of at the civics uh, class level, what the role of the chairman of the LNC is, and the vice the vice chair. What does he or she do? Um, is it like the if the do you stand in for the for the chair when he's not not there? Or so, what is um, how are the two roles different? But start with what the chair what? does.
0: If you don't mind, I'm actually going to start with the vice chair because that's easier to explain. And the chair has a lot of other things. Uh, The vice chair is essentially an at-large representative who also from time to time will have the gavel uh, when the chair is unavailable or when the chair has a conflict of interest uh, or the chair wants to speak directly to an issue. uh, The vice chair will take over the gavel uh, temporarily until the chair reclaims that. Uh, Additionally, the vice chair and chair can work together to share tasks. Uh, So the chair can, uh, assuming the LNC has authorized the task, uh, the chair can ask the vice chair uh, to take over a task and the vice chair has the choice on whether or not to take that task over. But it's a, you know, it's a work together kind of role. Um, The chair himself uh, or herself is the uh, person who kind of well, let's see, they organize all the meetings and, and um, set agendas, which you know obviously can be amended by either whatever body is meeting, whether that's the convention body or the LNC, uh, but they tend to set the, the agenda. Um, they also uh, are in charge of staff. They, they, they are the ones that uh, all staff rep- uh, report up to. And so the, the best way to think about the chair is that they're basically a the best way to explain it to people that at least understand government generally is that they are the executive branch basically or they are in charge of the executive branch of our party and that uh, the execution of anything the LNC passes typically falls on the chair and sometimes there's committees and other things but typically by default it would fall on the chair unless there's some other mechanism codified
2: okay um, let's see uh- can, can I expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I think, please, we, have please
1: different, yeah, I think we have kind of a different viewpoints as to, to what these roles are. Um, I, I think Ken nailed it really with uh, the explanation of a chair. Um, the only thing that I would add is that the chair's role to me is a very external facing role. It is the face of the party, yeah. uh, whoever holds that role. So uh, they a lot of times will show up on media. Um, directly interact with donors, um, play a large role in recruitment and that sort of thing. Uh, They are the face of the party. Um, whereas the vice chair, if, if you look at the chair as an external facing as the face of the party, i view the vice chair more as an internal, the, the kind of inside leader who focuses on, um, while the chair is in charge of staff, maybe helping come up with ideas to to suggest to the chair. And then those two work together as a partnership to kind of move the party forward, both internally and externally and choosing which projects to focus on and how to guide the LNC and the rest of staff. So um, they are very distinct, distinct roles, the vice chair to me doesn't simply uh, uh, fill in or, or anything like that just for the chair. There, 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 to me, is a very clear role of focusing internally on how can we approve things uh, internally. Now that's not just on LPHQ. Uh, part of what I'm going to be focusing on if I win this role is uh, kind of like Ken, I want to focus at the affiliate level, but I also want to focus on our campaigns. I feel that uh, for a long time, uh, probably the last 10 years or so especially, we have kind of lost touch with our grassroots effort. and so. As vice chair, I would want to uh, really focus in on developing programs that support our affiliates in terms of expansion. Um, for example, right now, there's uh, we have a website, lpaction.org. It's, it's a nightmare to navigate. Um, there's a lot of resources in there, but it's really hard to navigate. Uh, and it's one of those things that we need to clean it up. Um, At the same time on that website, there's not even a basic how-to on how to start a county affiliate. Um, And those are resources that we've got to get out there for the affiliates. When it comes to campaigns, we're doing a lot better in recent years, but I would focus specifically on campaigns and developing resources to help um, them get training on things like fundraising, how to make door knockers, how to uh, meet other members that are uh, in governing bodies and that sort of thing. So that way, they actually stand a chance at success in their campaign. For a long time, the LPS put out the message of get people on on the ballot. That's That's got to be our primary objective. If we just get people on the ballot, that'll let people see us. And that'll be a good start and it has been a good start but at the same time we've got to at this point realize we're doing that pretty well we're getting people on the ballot people are being noticed and we're even winning some local elections now how do we start to train people to the next level so um, as vice chair i would say that that person focuses really on that internal aspect and developing those sorts of programs and working with those candidates so that the chair can really focus on the other aspects the external piece the public relations piece okay
0: and, and I don't disagree, by the way, with with what Richard has said. I, I and I apologize. I, I was more focusing on what the bylaw d- mandated duties were. Um, the chair is definitely the face, which is why I'm not running because this ugly face does not need to be, uh,
1: <laughs> you know,
0: going for donors. Um, the 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 only thing I will note is that, I, and I do agree that candidates need a lot more help, and that that, and I think this is actually where the the, the crux of where we're going to disagree uh, between Richard and I and um, is that we do need to help our affiliate or our candidates. And, um, I, I 100% agree with that. The, the problem that I see with all of it is that you look at a race like Laura Ebke, you know, Laura Ebke was running in a nonpartisan race, which by the way benefits us because our label does at times hurt. Um, there is an anti party movement generally around the country. Uh, and so, uh, party labels can hurt. The, uh, Laura had a lot of money. She had plenty of money. Laura had plenty of HQ support. Um, she was out doing the things to do. Um, where she got killed, uh, and, and I was paying very close attention to this because I'm very good friends with uh, a, a major donor that was helping fund that, was that a large part of the donations and a large part of the help was imported. It was not local. And it almost became a joke towards the end of the campaign that the other side was putting out, like, hey, if somebody knocks on your door and asks you to vote for Laura Ebke, ask them where they're from. Yeah. And, and that's a serious problem, right? You, you know, you can't hide a Chicago or a New York accent in Nebraska. It's just not a thing. You, you, you know, we, we, you, we recognize that here in the heartland. It's like, oh, hey, the other person's from Chicago. They're from Chicago. You know, you, you can't hide that. I, That was a terrible impression but the point is that um, that's really why I want to step back uh, to focusing on building county affiliates primarily is that I believe that once we have strong county affiliates we'll have that ground team to actually help those candidates so it's really just a I think that's probably gonna be the difference between Richard and I because you know Richard's not my enemy right I mean we're libertarians no libertarian is my enemy it's just a matter of a debate and discourse over priorities
2: right so i I do want to get into that because uh, you did talk you both have mentioned priorities you both have kind of started to outline what your um, priorities are uh, why don 't we uh, kind of marry that with um, why are you the right person now i 'm always fascinated with candidates <laughs> of why they want to go through what's a what 's a really rough process. I saw you know what it took out of travis and i 've seen it in other other people it's rough um people will say things it's it's boring because you have to go around saying the same thing all the time but uh uh, i think that there's always reason a spark that people see in themselves that marries what they think the priority should be with what their skills are so why don't you each talk about that why you um and for what exact reason we'll start with richard
1: Okay, Uh, well uh, the reason why it's the right time for me right now is I've been on the LNC for the last two years. Um, I have worked uh, very hard to make sure that we had a balanced budget for the last two years. Uh, prior to uh, me getting on the LNC in this this most recent term, uh, we had been operating under a deficit budget, which is just absolutely unbelievable for, for the Libertarian Party, which believes in you know personal responsibility and and that sort of thing. So it was a it was a bad bad time. Um, I feel like um, I have come on to the LNC and I have worked um, across caucus lines uh, while at the same time being able to to uh, interact with all coxes and not isolate anybody in order to uh, help make that happen Um, and uh, so we did that on the budget we've done that on a couple of other things uh, through throughout the last two years Um, we most recently were able to expand our uh, development department which uh, uh, for those that are unaware development in our world would be a fundraising sort of department Um, we took it from one person uh, to the lnc uh, authorized three people on our most recent budget Um, only two have been hired uh, director level and uh, one other person Uh, and they're they're doing a great job but we need to get more people in there we need to uh, that pot of money that Ken talked about and Beginning uh, here yeah. we need to grow that pot of money so that way we can continue to fund more projects uh, mainly to support the affiliates and as well as our candidates and and uh, you know those things go hand in hand um, so I'm the right person because I have the demonstrated experience of, of working with people who are on the LNC right now to accomplish those tasks I have a vision where I think um, you know, given my time on state level, uh, I have seen uh, where the deficiencies are towards the affiliates from nationals, and there there are a lot of them. Um, and I'm also very aware, keenly aware of some of the issues we're having. Uh, for example, uh, the CRM project right now, uh, it's a great project. I We need to get it done sooner rather than later. It's been going way too long at this point. Um, there are states that have been waiting, uh, some of them nine months all at this point, to be onboarded. And it's because we have one person at headquarters who is doing that work. And right now he's being directed to other things, you know, as they come up, not to say that those things aren't important, but we've got to figure out how to prioritize that stuff. Um, I have been in business for a number of years. I worked uh, retail uh, at a $40 million box store. Um, And so I know what it takes uh, to do the operational side. I was actually an operational manager. Um, And so I can coordinate all sorts of things. And uh, because of my uh, my experience with operations um, and my focus on the internal type stuff, um, I believe that that it is just the right moments to seize the opportunity, get in there, and really make a difference and remind people that our principles are number one, and that if we are true to our principles, we can get back to the where the party was, say in the Ron Paul revolution days, where we were at rapid growth and expansion. Um, we were developing resources for all sorts of people. And we were just really making a difference. And like I, like I mentioned before, somewhere along the way, especially in the last 10 years, we lost that. And it, it's time to get that back. And, and that's what I wanna do. And, and I think I'm the
2: right person for it. Okay. Ken, your, your yeah. response to that.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you know, right off the bat, I was actually on the LNC when we passed the deficit budget, and I know that term's been thrown around a lot. The reality is, is every budget we pass is a deficit budget until we raise money to make it up. Um, I will tell you, as one of the people that voted on that budget, um, we believed that we were we believed at the time that we were going to zero, not to negative, and, and that is. Um, you know, we, we knew what we were doing. We, we, it was a pres- presidential year. And so we thought we should go for broke, that it would be almost criminal to leave extra money in some sort of reserve in the one election that nationals required to do, which is the presidential race. And I do think that we saw uh, results from that. I think that we ended up with the highest vote tally we've ever had uh some of that had to do with external factors but some of that has to do with internal factors you have to be able to seize on that um i think we probably could have done better but i think those factors were outside of the lnc's control so that's just that um so the main thing is to bring in more money And, and the question is what brings in more money um i know that during my time on the lnc and soon after um we had a number of issues come up where we lost some large donors. And in talking to those donors, they want to see direction and they want to see uh, positive gains. Now, positive gains differs from person to person. Um, But my big thing is all about long-term success. And, And most of those big donors are people who do investments, people who have built corporations, people who have built things. And so they understand that it takes time to build. And so long term, I believe, is the better pitch to some of those major donors. Okay. And now I just got a weird pop up on my screen. There we go. Okay.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> the, um, the CRM project, oh, boy, what a can of worms. Um, Very, very, very long story short. Yeah, go ahead.
2: For some people who may not know what CRM is. Yeah.
0: So CRM is generic. It's called customer relationship management. Um, And what that's used for is maintaining the relationships between an organization and its customers. Uh, In the case of the LP, that would be our members and uh, also potential leads, donors, um, anything in that regard. Uh, CRMs can be used for multiple different things. Uh, In the case of what is currently called the CRM project, it is about party building, it is about uh, keeping and tracking the leads, the members, the previous donors to national and to the states, with the idea being that a whole lot of, of states, and especially ones like mine, which were smaller at the time, we couldn't afford to really house data in an efficient way. We were working out of Google Sheets, or just straight up Excel spreadsheets to try to maintain membership lists. And CRMs help manage data and enable uh, states or or the organization generally to leverage that data to grow, to either expand their customer base in the case of a typical corporation or in the case of our uh, organization to try to grow our paid dues paying membership. And um, I've been a constant So, going back a few more years from before I was on the LNC, there used to be a real hate-hate relationship between National and the state parties. I mean, that was a thing. Like, National's attitude was, screw the states if they can't figure it out. And the states were saying, please, dear God, shut up and please stop talking about issues that drive members away. And and this was a thing for for four years. And I, I have always been one that screams, guys, we're on the same team. We're all on the same team. We're all trying to achieve liberty in our lifetime. And so the CRM project was an opportunity for national, uh, and it continues to be an opportunity for national to provide value to the states, to, to become more synergistic, um, to work together to build the party overall. Because at the end of the day, a state affiliate success will be the national party success because it's going to be more people coming in. It's more people, uh, you know, voting for our candidates, working for our candidates, and it's more potential donors for National. And so it, it really is a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, National uh, tends to be the place where new members go first, so they hit lp.org with a Google Libertarian Party. That's where they're going to end up. And so, you know, they they can push people to the states. The states can push people to National, and we work together to expand that pie. Right? We were talking about uh, the the deficit budget and expanding the money. Th- that is how we expand the the normal donors. Um, as far as again uh, large donors, it's about direction and having a plan that the large donors believe in. So that that's kind of where I'm at with it all. Uh, Long term, I mean I've I've served on ballot access committee which spends the most money in the party. I've, sp- I've served on the convention oversight committee. I currently serve on that which set, spends the second most amount of money in the party. And I've served on the IT committee, which doesn't really spend money, but runs the projects or oversees the projects that spend the third most amount of money on the party. And one of the big things I've always tried to do is try to make things more efficient. Um, and we can talk about that more. I'm already going on too long here. But the IT side, we, we did a lot of really good stuff at the beginning of 2017 to save the party a lot of money and expand uh, at the same time, because that's how IT works. And I'm, by the way, I'm an IT guy, so that's why okay. I'm...
2: yeah. yeah um If I could, uh, yeah. Aaron,
1: if it's all right, um, I just want to talk a little bit more about that CRM. I mentioned that there there were some issues related to that, um, and and um, the CRM is a great project. Don't get me wrong; it it is one of the types of projects that supports our affiliates uh, to to an unimaginable level. It really is going to uh, change how smaller states, um, such as uh, Kentucky or even Montana, where I was just yesterday. Um, How they function and and how they can recruit their members and that sort of thing. There are a lot of states that have been onboarded. What I have a problem with is when the direction at headquarters um, is Not consistent with what the LNC has told it to do. So the LNC has uh, authorized and this happened when Ken was uh, on the board uh, authorized that we focus on the CRM um, and get that rolled out to as many states as possible as quickly as possible. When I have states that come to me and tell me that they've been waiting over nine months and that they felt that there was a pay-to-play mechanism put into play and that they met that and they still don't know when they're going to have access to the CRM, that's a problem. Uh, and that's what we need to really focus on. And and right. so I like the idea of projects. We've got to continue to focus on these projects. Yeah. The CRM is a great thing. I'm so glad that it's there. And we just need to finish it so that way we can move on to our next project and continue to expand as an organization. Uh, the other thing is, is that there are other long-term projects that this LNC has brought on board um, that are changing how the Libertarian Party functions. And these are the things that we need to focus on as well. The Frontier Summit is a, a political uh, move, or is a political kind of push as opposed to an internal mechanism that helps our campaigns and what this is uh, specifically doing is kara has been really good at recruiting candidates um apollo pazell is a contractor and he's done a really good job at training candidates Uh, and he has taken um he came to the lnc and asked for funding to really deep dive into how he was going to um train candidates including training uh, people who are going to be uh staffers to try and uh, canvassers rather uh, in order to try and gather some signatures. Right now, those canvassers are in Maryland trying to collect signatures um, to get the ballot access secured. Direct result of the Frontier Project. Um, direct result of the Frontier Project is also uh, the Bethany, uh, Bethany Valdez's campaign uh, in Wyoming in 2016, uh, where, uh, or excuse me, uh, in 2017, where she ran and uh, she did not win. Um, and I'm sorry, again, 2018. I'm sorry. It's been a long day. I've been up since 3 a.m. Uh, we're yeah. not holding you to dates on this stuff. Believe right, 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 right. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but, but her campaign did extraordinarily well. She won for 45 minutes um, and, and that was because of the work where that Apollo did with her and helping get her trained and that sort of thing. She's been campaigning since that election day um, to the point where right now she doesn't have a competitor in her, her uh, race. Uh, now there may be one that jumps in and that sort of thing and if it does, it does. But it's because she's made such an impact and had really good training come about that she's been able to push that forward. We've had successes in uh, Montana as well. down, same thing, got involved with his local community uh, under the guidance of Apollo was able to win his seat uh, on the city council. There are lots of stories like these all throughout the country. And the Frontier Summit Project is one of those projects that excites donors because like Ken said, we are actually getting out there and making results happen and seeing results uh, uh, meticulate right in front of us. Colorado is not officially, they don't have any targeted races in the Frontier Project right now, uh, but they like the idea of the project so much that they've talked with Apollo and they're starting to kind of roll out their own version of it. These are the type of innovative things that we need to be thinking about when we look at expanding our our party and what the future of our party is Um, those are the projects that are really gonna get the donors excited um, and get us results at the same time so I just wanted to add on to that my thing is with the budget is there are people um, who think it's okay to do balance, a a deficit budget quote-unquote just because they anticipate that the money is going to come in here's my thing if you think the money is going to come in great Plan for the worst and be thankful when you get more than you're uh, expecting. And that that was the problem with the deficit budget. So I am all for having whatever projects we can do. I am all for funding those projects as they come come up. Uh, The Affiliate Support Committee put out a uh, project right now, and everybody got an email about it uh, yesterday, if they're a member, where they can go out and vote uh, to to give $1,000 to an affiliate just because they did some amazing outreach, and we want to recognize them for that. That project was funded by private donors. Those people came forward, they heard about it, they got excited, and they donated. The LNC didn't have to budget for it. They didn't have to raise funds for it, and we've just got to look for more opportunities in that. If we raise an extra amount of money, sure, let's go ahead and add something to the budget. But don't add things to the budget just because you think the money is going to come in. That's not how a responsible uh, fiduciary works. And and we are the keepers of the funds of the party on the LNC, and we've got to be better about that. So um, I have been told that a balanced budget is a waste of time. It makes it hard to raise money. Mm -hmm. Then you're not pitching it right. You need to tell people, if you want to do more with this party, we need your funds, and this is what we plan to do with it, and then adjust the budget.
2: Okay. I have a couple of questions about the budget uh, for each of you that I want to get to in just a second. I do want to give Ken a chance to respond to yeah. the comments Sorry. you made about the CRM stuff and the Frontier stuff.
0: Yeah. So the only thing that concerns me about the the what Richard said more than anything is the finish it. Um, the, the CRM project, I, I hate to inform you <laughs> and everybody, but there is no real finish, right? I mean, the Democrats have been refining their data for True. decades. Republicans have been doing theirs for decades. So it's a matter of right now we have a 20 state backlog in the CRM project. And now that we've been greenlit again, uh, because we were told not to import any more states starting in it was either late August or early September, we were told to stop.
2: By whom? Do, you, do, you, do I have to? Well, you know, I think it's no, a very no, no. And, and if
1: you don't want to, I, I'm happy to to talk about that because it's a problem and it's something Get, that the next vice chair is going to have to address. Let's uh, I know.
2: Let's I, let Ken answer the question, and if you want to name names or whatever, Richard, you can uh, sure. please do so after.
0: the The issue always comes back to priorities, a, and that's the issue: is that different actors have different priorities. And so essentially, the importing of states was put on hold to try to put the membership dashboard in place. And I think the membership dashboard is 100% a great project. I think it is absolutely worthwhile. Uh, When we built the CRM project, Andy and I built a five-year plan, and in year four, we had something just like the membership dashboard. The problem is, is that we're basically, even though we're two years into this, because the LNC had funding problems and we had to put the project on hold for a while, and because of, you know, typical IT projects always running a little late, because that's just how IT projects go, we're really r- at the end of year one. And so the, the, the problem is that the competing priorities have set the project back, and that, that's the best way to say that is that competing priorities have kept the project from being where we had hoped that this project would be by this time. Um, The reality is that if we're going to make this project a success, it will always need someone to be the person driving it, updating it, adding new features, doing new things. Um, I've been volunteering on the project since we started it. Um, I don't get paid. I've never been paid for anything I do on the LNC or or for the national party. The only paycheck I've ever taken from the national party was that I did get one reimbursement for a hotel night while we were doing the giant ballot access drive in Ohio. Uh, I just happened to be cash poor at that exact moment. Um, that's literally the only expense I've ever taken out of the party. And I still feel bad about that. I still want to just give it back, but I did become a national member after, uh, uh, um, a lifetime member after that. So I feel, a little bit okay about it, but, um, I, I'm one that wants to put money into the party and never take it out. And, uh, it, personally, I mean, um, the frontier project is awesome. By the way, Apollo Pazell is the smartest SOB that I know when it comes to politics. Like, I mean, I, it, my list is real short and there's like James Carville at the top. Cause he's like super brilliant. And then there's Apollo, like, you know, because I've done a lot of campaign stuff. Apollo knows everything I know, everything I've learned. Apollo already knows. And he's like younger than me and I'm and actually better looking than me and kind of jealous. But that's a different story. Um, the point is, is that he's doing really awesome work. And, and the Up Frontier Project is amazing. Um, there is nobody that wants to win more than me. I've been doing this for 14 years. Uh, I have run my head into the wall for 14 years. Um, it, it sucks to lose and lose and lose and lose and lose it really sucks and i don't want to keep doing that and i think that some of the cool part about what's going on in the party right now is that there is a new interest or or drive to to start going for local races, which are totally winnable. If you have a smart person on the ground that knows what they're doing, you have, the right, you have the right environment and you have the right candidate. We can win those races, and we've proven that, right? Apollo, I mean, Bethany Bald has won that race and it got stolen from her. Let's just call it out, right? what it is. Um, and, and regardless, the, the point is that um, that's awesome. I love that stuff. My only concern with the Frontier Project and projects like that, is that there are states that will never ever qualify for the real support right so apollo came to kentucky and he gave good training and, and, and again smart guy Kara was here too we, we paid to have them come in and and uh, they did amazing training right i mean because they are smart great people both of them have one local office that, that is information we need to get out throughout the party But in Kentucky and I think seven other states, we still have that stupid straight party ticket button. And we're never, ever, ever going to qualify for anything national sets up because, and, and honestly, I understand it because the straight party ticket button slaughters us, absolutely slaughters us. And the concern I have is that, though, when it comes to growing affiliates, um, right now, anyway, and actually, I know this because I have had it amended recently uh, in the policy manual is that everything needs to be, anything offered to one affiliate needs to be offered to every affiliate. It used to be that everything given to an affiliate has to be given to every affiliate. At least now it has to be offered rather than forcibly given. Um, and I, I have concerns that 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 project is at some point going to hit that policy manual thing, and then there's going to be a debate, and that's going to be a mess i don't want to stop what they're doing that's why i've never actually mentioned it before this moment um but i I, because like i said what apollo and what Kara are doing are absolutely amazing they're they're great amazing awesome resources and we are we're we are a much better party for having both of them um i just i just worry that that there's pieces that we're still missing and that's the problem right is that a, a jeff hewitt race uh, in California where people come and go uh, and I did the polling on that race and you know Jeff's a great guy uh, and won that race and that's an awesome win for us um, we can get away with with bringing in outside people to, to do the door knocking to do the sign waving to do the outreach but here in the heartland you know and, and I mean you know uh, uh, Richard you know this you're from Tennessee how, how well do we take the carpetbaggers man
1: uh, you're right there. You're right there. We but do not take a lot well gr- No, no, but I've, I've got to, you know, throw in there that I think you have a, a misunderstanding of, of the frontier project right now. It is, focused on five races and that is what it is you've got to start somewhere um but the intention has always been that this expands to other places that that we work in these uh what we would consider easily winnable races right now and then we look at something a little bit harder and we look at something a little bit harder and it's a, a building on it type thing and um, right now it is primarily in the midwest and and i recognize that in the north midwest on top of that uh, but it doesn't mean that the concepts can't be applied with Apollo's uh, training and guidance. Um, he's opened up his conference calls, um, Kara's doing yeah. regular conference calls as well. We're getting the resources for people out there. So I, I hear you when you say, you know, it may not hit all the states, but it, it will. And. It, it, as we continue to expand it and as we change how we think about elections and transition from a just get people on the ballot to now let's target winnable races, you will see the frontier project expand. And more than that, the frontier project, isn't just about elections. Um, it was uh, put out today or yesterday when I was, uh, with uh, Apollo in uh, Montana, he was with uh, Christine Stenquist, um, who is not a libertarian, but she's a, a cannabis uh, activist uh, from uh, uh, Utah, and uh, she's done phenomenal work. If you're not familiar, I would highly encourage looking her up, uh, but uh, what she's doing is she's trying to uh, introduce, and this is under the Frontier Project as well, legislation to create interstate uh, cooperation so that way medical marijuana patients in one state don't have to worry about traveling to another state and giving up their medicine, that they license would transfer. That is something that you would think us as libertarians, if, if we were thinking about it, we should have been pushing this since we saw the first medical things go through. And we didn't. The Frontier Project is opening those avenues for us. So uh, it's not immediately obvious what the benefits will be to say somebody in Kentucky or Tennessee or or even some smaller states, uh, uh, you know, upper Midwest. But the benefits are there, and, and it will benefit the country as a whole as we continue to develop. Oh, so, and, and I have no doubt about that. I mean, I,
0: I, like, like I said, I have nothing negative at all to say about what the Frontier Project – I'm a donor to the Frontier Project. I mean, I believe in what it's doing. I, I just I, – I worry that in certain places of the country, you know, Nebraska, Kentucky, Tennessee, the southeast for sure – uh, you know, we don't really take well to outsiders, you know, trying to push politics on us. And that that's that's really why, and maybe that affects why I, I believe so much in, in the affiliate growth and the grassroots side of it is that I, I don't see us winning in Kentucky without an army of people that live in the community actually doing it,
1: right? Absolutely. I mean, it,
0: it, we have to have boots on the ground and have to have people motivated to knock doors um, one cool thing, and I'll, I'll mention this because it, it's a really cool thing that everybody watching should consider. Um, I talked to Chris Lucini, who's in New Mexico, uh, and I think he's Region One, right? Yes, he is. Yeah, uh, he was telling me, um, you know, because I, I can't be there because you know we, we've got Indiana, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, and New Mexico on the same weekend, and, and I'm yeah, not going to let my own state don't convention. That oh, I didn't, I, I was even unaware that Alaska's Alaska, the last I looked, Alaska hadn't figured that out, so, okay, so, yeah, it's not possible to be at all five. I mean, it's just not real, Um. so I always call to just check in, see how they're doing, let them know I'm not going to be there, because I can't, because, you know, um, and, and, you know, what former chairs, current chairs, we start commiserating about being chair, and, talking about things that work things that don't and and one of the things he talked about was because they have registration by party like we do here, mm-hmm. here in kentucky is that knocking doors of libertarians and saying hey come to the next meeting hey we're looking for candidates is actually working yeah absolutely. and i'm like and he, he we talked a lot about the the other things we, that we've done here in kentucky right like direct mail and how costly it is and how the bang for the buck isn't there and, and we figured that out too and um, Robo calls don't work, and you know what's working for them is knocking doors. And so um, w- now that he's got some data, right? He's saying, I think he said a seven percent uh, result of, mm-hmm. of doors being knocked. Yeah, we're gonna do like that, that this year in Kentucky. I mean, we're gonna try it here and see if we can get the same results. Because a seven percent return uh, that'd be seventy more active members of the Libertarian Party of Kentucky if, if we get a seven uh, well, percent. That, that would be huge. I'm sorry. For sure. I just did the math wrong. That's 700 new members in the Libertarian party of Kentucky. So
1: that would, would be, be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's where, you know, you have stated that your focus is going to be on affiliate support. I think it yeah. needs to be affiliate and campaign support. It, it's both. It's not one or the other, or one comes before the other. Um, Yes, the, the Frontier Project and those kind of political, more politically oriented movements um, won't work somewhere like Kentucky, and we know that. So we focused on developing the resources. The right. fact that you had to, as you're you know, working on your campaign for vice chair, had to reach out to another state chair to find out about what's happening in New Mexico as far as the success they're having knocking on doors, That's something that national should regularly be following up with state chairs. Um, we should be doing a better job at reporting that information. I think the membership portal is a really good move. The problem with the membership portal and and those priorities that you were talking about before is, um, that was not a priority that the LNC instructed HQ to work on. Um, Right now they are supposed to be working on that CRM project. You've got to do things kind of in a set order and we've gotten off until we have everybody on the database. There's no point in having a membership Once we have a membership portal, then we can start to expand from there. And Scott, you got to do it in steps and order. And I think that's where we've messed up.
2: I have a question. I I have a question that I think will kind of uh, maybe focus a little bit, some of the the back and forth here. Um, First of all, how big is the current LNC budget, roughly, ballpark? (sighs)
1: Ballpark off the top of my head, I didn't look at the budget number. I know we're balanced at this point. We have about thirty thousand in reserve uh, planned, but I I couldn't tell you what the exact number is, uh, other than the reserve number that we have.
2: Ken, do you happen to know, or
1: Uh, so?
0: I'm going off memory as well, but I want to say that in non-presidential years, we usually sit at uh, about one point two million comes in in revenue, and then in presidential years, it's usually more. And I want to say that. 2016 broke records i mean all kinds of records and that's the problem is that is 2016 a fluke or is that what we're going to see going forward and that's going to be a a really big question um for both this and the next lnc um but i want to say there was three point something that came through or maybe it was just under three it was right around three million that came through in it was a
1: very large amount Yeah. yeah
0: okay it was a big jump big jump and and so the question is and, and that's the hard part of this budgeting, right, is that you set the budgets in November of the year prior, and then it's all depending on how much money comes in. Um, I, I personally do believe, and Richard, you might agree with me on this, that maybe we need to go to a different style of budgeting. Maybe we need to go to a prioritized budgeting where it's like the first thing we're going to do is X, and the next thing we're going to do is Y.
1: I, I think that works great. Yeah, That's I think that works great with a balanced budget kind of mentality. You balance what you have, and as you get more money, you you unlock those priorities. Think of it as a leveling up in a video game, right? right. You you Absolutely. gotta earn certain skills before you get to the next level. That's exactly Absolutely. the question
2: I want to ask. Um, and we'll start um e- e- either one of you can take it first. Is uh let's assume uh you've been elected as the uh, uh vice chair. And the the chairman says, "Hey, I want you to to uh, on the back of a napkin uh, show me your budget pie chart on on what we should spend." So, um, and you can use a different uh, you don't have to use a pie chart, but something like that. So a a short uh, synopsis of what you would recommend as the way to approach the budget and to shift priorities, given the fact that we have very limited resources compared to R's and D's. Sure, Uh,
1: well, Ken, if it's all right with you, I'll go first. (laughs) Absolutely. So uh, kind of what my thoughts are is the first thing we've got to do is we've got to get our third staffer hired in the development department. Um, We may even need a fourth. Um, um, Tara brought uh, some interesting ideas to the LNC last meeting uh, where she suggested that we uh, come up with an educational uh, kind of staffer who would focus on um, college professors and high school teachers in order to tap into a younger market. Uh, I think that's absolutely huge. Um, I think there's a lot of donor potential there and more than that i think there's a lot of opportunity to recruit a lot of new members into the party so we start immediately working on uh, that aspect of of growing our party's membership um, and gaining more funds Uh, from there what i've been looking for what i've been trying to uh, work with uh, uh, our executive director on is getting an organization chart um, as well as a list of responsibilities that everybody does Um, and uh, once we can get that then we can look down and look at it and we can say okay What are we hitting? What are we not hitting? What do we need to improve? I believe operations. I think Robert Krauss does a tremendous job. Um, Absolutely an unbelievable job. He needs help. though. Uh, Operations for a party this size, as we continue to grow, he needs somebody else with him. So um, I would look at, um, partially expanding staff and and getting staff, the the people that they need to do the job effectively. Uh, That way we can be a professional organization. I feel we have overworked people in the past. We have uh, made them, uh, we've literally made them quit. Um, There have been people that have quit in frustration uh, just because um, they don't feel supported by the LNC or they don't feel that they have the money there. Um, It wasn't very long Go um, at the start of 2018, or as we were planning the 2018 budgets, there was a crisis legitimately where certain members of staff were afraid that their paychecks weren't going to come through. Um, that's a problem. That's an absolute problem. So step one, we need to continue to expand our development department. We need to uh, then see what staff needs. From there, um, it all comes down to percentages and this and that and what the projects are. Um, we need to do some polling and see what people's really big interests are right now. We know the frontier project's a big interest and and educational campaigns like that. Um, We also know that the CRM and the development of membership portals and and other affiliate resources is huge. Um, I'd like to see an overhaul done on our LPaction.org in order to make that more user-friendly and really put some resources out there. Um, And so, you know, maybe take a poll of state chairs, put a a public poll maybe out on Facebook or on social media, Um, invite people like we're doing with the Libertarian, or excuse me, with the Affiliate Support Committee's Help You Everywhere campaign, um, and just ask people to fill out a survey with their membership number and see where their priorities are and then kind of go from there. So I would probably start with that and then then work on expanding. But I would tell you my focus 100% would be we are a political party. We've got to focus on campaigns. Everything supports those campaigns, including the affiliate support uh, uh, tools that we develop. Um, So it all works together. And so I would prioritize um, things in order to try and make it so that we can start to really win elections. And if that means working on affiliate resources first, then we will work on affiliate resources first. But we don't neglect the campaign side either because that's just as important.
2: Ken, go ahead.
0: Uh, Well, I will tell you um, on the fundraising side uh, and not to exploit our previous relationship um but you remember that you were fundraising on commission
2: yeah
0: Aaron, and and i think that's something that national has not done they've started down that path right and that's good i think that's really good and and specifically uh tom woods actually is a, a really good example uh fundraising on commission works and we've just proven that um and i'd like to see us do more of that because it reduces our risk while also giving us more opportunity for reward. I'm a big fan of fundraising on commission. Uh, it is a put up or shut up model. Uh, you, by the way, Aaron, for those that don't know, uh, did an awesome job for us on a, on the uh, Irvine campaign. Um, and that's, you know, uh, I, I, I believe there are more Aaron Harris's out there that that can do that type of work and can raise five digit, even six digit numbers since we only had, you know, what, three months to run Irvine um in a year um on commission and you know uh there's been uh in the past at the office a a pushback on commission oh my gosh you're giving away all this money well it's money we wouldn't have had we weren't going to have that money it's like okay well we gave you a percentage of what we wouldn't have ever had anyway so who cares i mean it's better something is better than zero and so i'd really like to see the lnc explore more of the 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 commission-based fundraising um i do think that uh one of the big huge issues for me and as an it guy and as an automation guy operational efficiency Mm um oh my gosh it's it's so every (laughs) time every time i hear about and i can't remember if it's matt or tyler or both that end up re-keying everything into razor's edge which by the way for those that don't know is national's traditional legacy crm where they keep track of the fundraising it's geared more towards fundraising not towards uh, membership. But, you know, I mean, money is important, and so that's what they've used. But when you fill out a form on LP.org, it sends an email, and then somebody actually retypes all the information except for your credit card. They don't do that. But everything else gets retyped, well, and it makes me want to scream yeah. every time. It's like, what are we doing? Why is this not automatic? That's insanity.
1: Agreed. We are 100%. wasting
0: cycles. And I know Matt and Tyler both. They are smart guys, right? We can use their talents for other things than typing things in that have already been typed in by somebody else. It's, in, it's like, what are we doing? That's insane. Um, and, and operational efficiency is something that, that I have been focused on. Uh, in 2017, um, LP.org was crashing. The previous LNC before the one I was on, so going back two LNCs, um, the IT committee passed something that actually cut, or sorry, the LNC passed something. They cut the staff completely out of IT. Of the new LP.org that we have today um, and it wasn't working. It, it was crashing constantly and we were paying $1,200 a month for this thing. Uh, Andy Burns and I uh, jumped in and were asked to fix it, right? So we jumped in and in like two weeks we had moved the site to a hosting company that specializes in the software that we use. We reduced the cost from 1200 bucks a month to $250 a month. We also uh, were able to import all the old content from the old LP.org, which by the way, we were still paying for $832 a month for a site we weren't even using. Um, We imported all that content into the old site. So you can go look back till I think 2008 is as far back as that content goes. And it's all on LP.org. And we cut that 832 bucks a month out. And then even crazier than that was the original LP.org Uh, Going back even further, starting in 2002, we still had that server running because we were using it for email and nobody had updated it. And we were paying $589 a month, I think it was. Every time I call it $600, Robert Krauss yells at me. It was $500 (laughs) and something. Um, And so we were able to cut a huge (laughs) amount of money operationally out of the budget. And I got it written down here. It was $621 a month that we were spending on all that stuff that we turned into Uh, essentially 300 bucks a month. So we we ended up saving 1,321 bucks a month through operational efficiency. And then we were able to actually leverage all those services and uh, uh, provide email services. And that's something that I wish we'd talk more about. We actually provide email services to states. You can have branded email for free it's not a huge resource. It's really easy for us to set up. We never talk about it. Gmail, is state besides the size of Kentucky, we've got about 100 people with with titles in the state and we use branded email for everybody who has a title. We had a free Gmail account with 20 free accounts and we outgrew it. So assuming you're using Gmail, that's $600 a month for the basic plan or $7,200 a year. That's our entire budget. And We can't afford that. And so by having... Uh, Email service is available for Kentucky, and I, I don't even remember that it's ten states. I think Pennsylvania just joined us. I, I can't remember who else is in there. I mean, seventy two hundred dollars a year, at least in Kentucky prices, is literally forty eight county fairs fully funded with materials. <laughs> I mean, I would much rather see that money go to outreach. That's it, not even ha- to
2: reach more people. That's not, not even half the. That's not even half the counties in Kentucky.
0: Right. I mean, that's oh, <laughs> oh, we only have at this point, we only have four counties spun up officially and we have coordinators right. and a bunch more. But yeah, every executive committee, every every level. We also have regional or what we call district parties uh, by congressional district and then up to the state. Everybody's got branded email. Everybody's first name, last name at LPKY.org. It all looks professional. And, and, and I know there's this whole anti-professional thing, but it's professional. But it also what I really mean by that is serious right? We're serious. We we are serious about being the Libertarian Party of Kentucky. And there's nothing serious about getting a business card that says, Bob Smith, chair, bigdog47 at yahoo.com. That's not professional. That's not serious. That's like, yeah, I opened up a Yahoo account back in 2008, and I still use it for everything. Um, The point being is that there are operational efficiencies we have to work on. And we, we, we've done it before and we've saved money. We, we, and, and to be fair, we went over the, went after the low hanging fruit, right? Because we used that money to then build the CRM project, but there are still places we can get way more efficient and we need to get way more efficient because I will tell you, Robert and Matt and Tyler are talented, awesome people that the last thing they, we need to do is waste time having them recoding things into a system. that where somebody's already typed it out once.
2: Right. So, I- I have a question about uh, changing gears just a little bit. Um, I've been involved with the uh, LP since about 2010 when I got involved in Ohio. And uh, over that time, I've seen and heard um, that there's often a lot of rancor on the LNC, uh, some dysfunction, things like that. And, and sometimes there's uh, 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 there are factions in our party culturally or otherwise that that don't get along um what do, what how, how how would you assess how we're doing as a culture uh nationally what's working what's not and what would you focus on to to make that better and we'll start with richard first
1: we're getting better than say where we were two years ago um, that said, I mean, it, this last November, there, there were some things that triggered me to post on social media, post about uh, uh, professional decorum and working with people and, and kind of getting over yourselves when it comes to your caucus lines. Um, my viewpoint on what national is and how it should function is we, uh, at the national level, at the LNC level, the LPHQ, uh, the organization is a big tent organization. There's all sorts of libertarians uh, absolutely everywhere. Um, the caucuses serve a purpose. Certainly, uh, you know the pragmatic caucus is very good at focusing on policy. Uh, Mises Caucus is very good at focusing on candidates and that sort of thing uh, with Mises PAC and all the work that they do. And the radical caucus is very good at reminding people what our our principles are and what we're all aiming for. And there are a dozen other caucuses thrown in there as well. And each caucus needs to focus really on what their strong suit is. And I'm great with caucuses. The problem is is at national level when those caucuses begin to interfere uh, with actually moving our party forward. Um, So my view is as vice chair, um, that sort of behavior doesn't belong at that level. We've got to do everything we can to encourage people to set their differences aside ideologically and do everything they can to work together. Um, I have demonstrated this behavior uh, by uh, doing two things, uh, specifically balancing the budget Um, I worked very closely Um, we on the first in 2018 uh, during the budget meeting uh, we uh, came out of day one on Saturday with uh, the LNC was very very torn on how the budget was going to be passed there was virtually no chance in anybody's mind that we were going to be able to pass a balanced budget um, and it was it was a mess. I was uh, I, I stayed out late uh, with uh, Joe Bishop Henchman, who's running for chair. Uh, he and I worked together until the wee hours, and I mean about two o'clock in the morning, uh, coming up with a series of compromises that we thought would be agreeable to some people, and we were able to balance the budget on paper. Now, we went into uh, the next LNC meeting, uh, or the next day at the LNC meeting rather, um, and we were committed to, well, at least we're going to propose a balanced budget. We're going to be able to say that we tried, uh, even if it doesn't go through, we, we came up with a way to make it happen. And what happened was, is the entire LNC came together and unanimously uh, passed that and it took us working across with our different, you know, different people that we were closer to and, and working together in order to make that happen. He's a pragmatic, I'm a radical. We don't agree on a lot of things ideologically, but that's okay. We also did that on the Frontier Project. The Frontier Project needed an extra $30,000 for funding. We, at the last or at the November budget meeting this last year, came together, came up with a couple of different solutions and worked together in order to try to find a way to make it so that that project could be funded and we could still meet all of our other goals. Um, again, working across those faction lines. So, I'm all for factions. I think they serve a really good purpose. They just don't really have a place on the national level. We've got to focus on what is best in moving our entire party forward, not just one faction here or there. And um, I know that there are certain people in certain factions that will probably not be open to that and think that their way is the best way and that's it. Cool, do what you do in your faction and and if you convert the entire party, outstanding. But until that time happens, we are all libertarians. We've all got to work together uh, from across the board. As long as we're staying true to our principles and not sacrificing those principles, I, I'm all for just setting those ideologies aside and doing what we can to help our party uh, continue to go forward. And that's really how the vice chair needs to focus on this. That's really what the entire LNC needs to focus on.
2: Did you say you're a member, Richard, of the Radical Caucus? or
1: I, I uh, am a supporting member of the Radical Caucus. I'm also a supporting member of the Mises Caucus. And I also uh, donate to the Pragmatic Caucus uh, as well, because I believe in all three of, of them and the work that they do, uh, just in different aspects for our party.
2: Great. Ken, why don't you answer the caucus question first? I think I know your answer. Um, and, and then the, the culture question.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, well, let's see. So the caucus side of it, I'm a member of no caucuses. Uh, I've been involved for 14 years. Uh, I've never joined a caucus. Uh, I have always seen that every caucus brings value. Every single caucus brings value. Um, the, the, Radical is so going back a little further under the old radical caucus and the old pragmatic caucus and those old fights. The pragmatic caucus was trying to fight to make us more electable, and the radical caucus was fighting to keep us true to our principles. Well, they're both right, because we can be true to our principles and lose horribly, repeatedly, and that doesn't do anything. Likewise, we can completely sell out and win every election, and that doesn't solve anything either. Both were needed, absolutely needed. We needed to be, we needed the radical caucus so we never lost our way. And we needed the pragmatic caucus so we could actually get out and try to amplify our broader vision, which is liberty and and less government and more, much more individual freedom. Uh, You know, since 2014, the the caucuses have shifted. A lot of change has occurred. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just different. Um, one thing Mises has done, I, I think they need, deserve a shout at, is they have brought a lot of people in, a lot of people Absolutely. in the party and, yeah. and that's a good thing. And that's my frustration with caucuses in the past has been that it's been more of a competition to force other people out rather than recruiting new people in. And I think that's why we've stayed relatively small, um, that our numbers, we, we weren't seeing a lot of growth because. There was too much of a "You're not the right libertarian, you're not a real libertarian thing um that would would so much effort was spent internally fighting that we lost focus on the fact that the real enemy is out there. right? We, we, it's not us. Like whether somebody's ninety percent ninety five percent or one hundred percent libertarian, they're on the same team. and, and if if we only got the ninety percent more liberty, I'd still be pretty happy, honestly. Ninety um, percent is better than zero percent um, now, do I want a hundred percent? Well, sure, I want a hundred percent but i 'll take ninety over zero yeah. so that 's been my frustration point in the past um, but even today, right I mean the audacious caucus um, is is often maligned and and perhaps you know with some grain of of reality of why um I don't necessarily agree with their tactics, but, you know, the idea that uh, we need to loosen up a bit is not necessarily a bad one, that, you know, politics are changing. Um, we live in the era of Donald Trump, a reality TV star, has become our president by one-line put-downs. So maybe the, the old traditional stodgy broomstick up the rear end, wearing a suit thing, which, by the way, I don't miss wearing a suit. God, I hate wearing a suit. <laughs> um, it, it, maybe that's done. Maybe it is, I don't know. I, I, I can't say that because we live in the moment, right? History will tell whether or not this was the era that the suit and tie went away out of politics. But I think that they bring forth a good point. Um, even, and I know you guys in Mises, man, you guys hate the Lib Sox, and I get it. And, you know, I'm not a LibSock. But some of the stuff the Lib Sox say is, is true, right? That, that this all has to, their big thing is the bottom unity thing, right? I think that's a message that we can all kind of agree with that we're not going to work. It's not going to work unless it's a grassroots effort. Right. And I think that that gets lost in the other stuff, but, but even the Libsocs have a good point that this is a grassroots effort. And that's what Mises has actually done is a grassroots effort. Right. So, um, even though you guys fight each other, you know, the reality is you actually do agree on some stuff. Um, and the modern rads and prags, you know, continue to be their thing. Um, I think the main thing is, is that we need to communicate a lot more. Um, the most functional committees that I am on, and, and this is going to sound hilarious, uh, because those that look from the outside don't get it. The convention oversight committee meets for three hours or, or so every two weeks. And the visitors to our committee are like, what in the hell is going on here? Because we will argue and people will yell at each other and we beat issues to death. But by doing that, we actually address every issue. we end up with uh, uni- uh, uni- I can never say that word unanimous votes on every unanimity I think that's the right way to say that I got it. <laughs> uh, y- Yes, unanimous votes on everything we do, and that's good that's healthy for the organization now obviously the LNC can't do that right because y- you guys get together quarterly for two days, and so you can't have the the, the Level of detail into things like the COC does. But I do think that, you know, when the COC makes a decision, when the most functional committees have made decisions, those that lose accept their loss, right? I mean, I've been fighting in Kentucky for a handful of things for the past few years, and I've lost some of them, and I accept that loss. It's what it is. The, the body speaks, you roll with it. And, you know, it, when it comes to the LNC or a subcommittee thereof, uh, at the end of the day, it's all about the delegates. And if the delegates don't like the decision the LNC can make, they can either A, make that known, writing their region reps, writing directly to the LNC. And if they don't feel as though that uh, has been properly addressed, then they, every two years, we we can change our leadership. And that's, I, I know there's been talk of switching our conventions to every four years. I do oppose that. Uh, I do think it's important that we have checks and balances that uh, make sure that the will of our delegates is the core of our party are heard. So the point is, is that caucuses are important. They need to work together where they agree. And when a vote is taken, it's done and let it go.
2: So I have a, I, I want to jump in there um, on with a question about the delegates and what we're all going to be doing uh, in, uh, in May in Austin, Texas, we're, we're uh, of course we ran long um i would like i have this question and one more after i'd like not like tweet length responses but a little more uh concise responses on this just for the sake of all of us and the family <laughs> members who may be waiting Sure. Or like <laughs> uh, and then i no 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 i think it's been fine and, and i i do want to allow each of you a, a generous chunk um to do kind of your closing pitch um so the question is uh the two big things that that we're going to be talking about uh, in Austin and and most of the heat has been generated on uh, the first let's talk about is uh, the chairmanship uh, of the LNC, the person that you uh, will be working most closely with probably if you, if either of you win Um, have either, have you endorsed anybody in this race? Um, is there anybody that you wouldn't work with or that you'd be hard-pressed to work with and what is your assessment of how nick sarwark has done in his tenure uh richard go ahead
1: okay uh well um so as far as um is there anybody that I wouldn't work with if they've got chair? Um, no, I, I, I'd i work with anybody. I, I have nothing against anybody. I, I think uh, Josh does a tremendous job facing outside of the party. He uh, is right now, and he will tell you in a heartbeat, the number one one recruiter of new members uh, on the LNC and he deserves credit for that. He is a fantastic uh, person uh, who knows how to uh, meet people where they're at, bring them into the party and get them interested uh, in continuing on. So I'd be happy to work with Josh. I'd also be very happy to work with Joe. Joe is a very business oriented sort of person. Uh, He has done a tremendous job trying to uh, uh, make sure that the business portion of the LNC and how LPHQ functions uh, uh, is always moving forward. And uh, he and I have had a very good working relationship where just despite some of our ideological differences. I know that he is willing to build bridges uh, and do everything he can in order to make sure that, um, you know, to to mention what Ken said, that we can't have unanimous decisions on the LNC, what we have. Me and Joe working together have gotten unanimous decisions passed on budget. We've gotten unanimous decisions on uh, the Frontier Project. Project. So he and I have a very good working relationship. Josh and I also have a good working relationship. Uh, just to circle back around, he and I have served together for the last uh, two years on the affiliate support committee, um, and that's where LP Everywhere came from. So um, no issues with either of those two candidates. No issues in particular with Mike Shipley. Um, I don't know that he's making a big splash uh, on the uh, you know nationally at this point, but that could change. And if he were to win that role and and the uh, delegates support him, um, I would work with him. Um, as I said, the way I view kind. Of our roles is the chair is more external facing and the vice chair is more internal facing and as long as those two can come together and have a working partnership and working relationship There's not going to be any issues So right now. Those are the only three we have that are declared I'd be happy to work with any of them uh, at all and and no endorsements have been made um, And I do not intend to make an endorsement uh, in that race at this time Um, Things may change as as we continue through all of this, uh, but right now I'd be honored to work with any of them Uh, Now to answer how has Nick Sarwark done? you know, when Nick first came into the chair role, I think he uh, came from a place of a lot of passion, um, a lot of uh, vision for the party, uh, and that sort. And you know, that sort of thing. He's done a tremendous job as chair uh, for the last uh, six years. We'll just say it's six years uh, in May, um, and uh, you know, he he definitely has an idea where he wants to take this party. Uh, that said, he isolates a lot of people sometimes. Um, And, uh, you know, look at the Tom Woods argument that happened in the past. I think that uh, he is part of what has divided the LNC in some ways. uh, And I think that there's some opportunity there. Now, if he were to declare um, and he were to wind up winning, I would still work with him. Uh, But we'd have a conversation about kind of the direction we want to take this party going forward and uh, what might or might not be appropriate and see if our visions can come together. Uh, And I think they could, but he... uh, there's definitely been some opportunity in the past. Now, um, I would further add that we're not a party of Kings. Um, and Nick Starwark seems to be put on this pedestal sometimes, And you know, some people say that if he were to declare, he would instantly get it. I, I don't know about that. That would be eight years in a row, uh, with one LNC chair. And while it's not impossible for something like that to happen, I think it is time for a change to happen, whether that be through somebody like Josh or somebody like Joe or somebody like Mike. Um, but I think Nick, um, I think Nick still needs to be on the LNC. I just wish he would run for an at-large position and use his wisdom and, and guidance as far as former chair to help guide new chairs and new leadership. So that way uh, they can be that much more successful and build off of his knowledge and, and really continue to to steer our party to the future. I don't know that he's doing that right now. And and there I could get into a lot more detail, but she said he wanted to keep it a little yeah, shorter. Yeah. So I'll cut it off there.
2: Yeah, and I'm, I want to clarify real quick that um, uh, Nick has not said definitively i i think whether gonna yeah run. he's he's not
1: declared if he's running or not running i asked i talked to him most recently uh in reno at our lnc meeting uh two or three weeks ago um and uh just asked him point blank are you running or are you not and um, he told me at that time i don't know so mm-hmm. i i don't, i honestly believe that nick has not decided if nick is running at this point
2: and 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 candidates can come forth Um, at any point in this process up until the final vote on the delegation floor i was out in las vegas when there was the famous rutherford versus uh hinkle thing and we ended up with jeff neal who when he woke up that morning had no intention of being exactly yeah chair um so uh nick may be biding his time and, and waiting for the right moment um i have no opinion on i have no judgment on what i think is going on there but just so people who don't know uh know uh the 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 doors always open until until someone uh is picked ken uh same question to you about current candidates and and nick
0: well i I mean look this all goes back to anybody who's in this party is pretty much a friend of mine um we're, we're we're moving liberty forward and um I always want us to be the best version of ourselves. Uh, anybody who asks me or talks to me about um, how they're doing in a particular race or whatever, I'm gonna give them advice, uh, the best advice I can. Um, I, I think I understand where all three candidates uh, for chair are trying to go, they currently declared. Um, I've known Nick you know, for uh, at least six years at this point um, from the old rad Crag fight. Uh, the old factions. Um, You know, I'm not going to endorse anybody. I I think that every single one of them, and Nick included, uh, brings something different to the table. They they all have their pros, they all have their cons. Um, I do wish, like Richard, that Nick wouldn't, you know, poke the Mises people. I don't understand why that's necessary. Um, I wish that... um, the LibSoc guys, you know, uh, to the point where they've got good points, they often emphasize the wrong things. Um, in my opinion, I think they would gain more traction and more legitimacy in the party. Uh, if they, you know, focused on the things that were more universal, like, you know, Hey, grassroots support is a good thing. Um, I think that, um, you know, I, I, I get, I get really sad when I see our people attack each other and I really wish that wouldn't happen. Um, I know we're recording this a little bit ahead, but you know, the, 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 even in the presidential race, I'd, I'd rather see everybody focus on their strengths rather than other people's weaknesses. That's just my preference. Um, and so, um, I'm always a person looking to find the strength, uh, in each candidate. So, um, I'm not. I I can work with any of these guys. I mean, even in Kentucky, you know, we've had some faction fights. I I work regularly with those that have been opposed to me, Um, and and even on things as contentious as our rules and whatnot. um, We have a very significant rules package this year to kind of clean things up. And going back to what we talked about with committees, um, was able to reach uh, a unanimous vote on 70 items. Um, that are both substantive and non-substantive um, to to try to make the party a stronger party, and that at the end of the day, if we could just keep everybody focused on w- who we think is going to make the party stronger and better, uh, I think that that um, the delegates the delegates have never I've not always agreed with everything the delegates decided convention, but at the end of the day, they also weren't wrong. Yeah. if that makes sense. And yeah. so that's kind of where I'm at with it is whatever the delegates decide, I'm I'm cool with it. And, and that goes for this race. I mean, if Richard wins, I'm not like going to storm off and be like, Oh, I quit. I, I'm, you know, I mean, Richard's not my enemy. Right. And, and, and that's just that. So uh, I, I'm not, I'm not in this for any reason other than I hope that I'm helping to push the party forward in a direction uh, with a certain vision. And if the delegates disagree with that vision, then that's cool.
1: Okay. Well, I want to echo what Ken said there too. I'm not in this, you know, I, the party wins no matter what, whether Ken or I, whoever gets elected, we both have a solid vision. We both are, I feel focused in some of the right areas. Um, He's coming at it from more of an affiliate side. I'm coming at it from affiliate and campaigns, but we both acknowledge that grassroots is where we need to be focusing. um, And that's huge. That that's, that's how we're going to steer this party forward. So the delegates, no matter what, bottom line.
2: Okay, one Absolutely. more one more question before I'll give you guys kind of your free reign to sum up, uh, and it is about our presidential field. We've talked about the LNC chair being the face of the party. Um, there is for for some people that's true, but um, whoever our presidential nominee is going to be, uh, a representative nationally in the spotlight for six months or so. Um, what is – I want your take on how the field is, if you've endorsed or support anybody, if there's anybody that you would not vote for. I, I don't think either one of you would, would try to sabotage your campaign against anybody, but <laughs> is there someone who eh, – maybe not. Um, and But specifically with not just how they've run their campaign, although I think that's important – but, in how we appeal to non libertarians, because we are the outliers, we are strange we It's a dense thing for outsiders to get into, and uh you can you can be too uh milk toast and uh say, "Well, we need to cut the budget a little bit, or you can be uh, I tend to be on the other side, we need to abolish the defense department right you know i i like I like doing that, but probably the best approach is something in the middle. So what do you think of our field and who do you think might do the best job of attracting people who are maybe small L libertarians to the party, people who are disaffected from the other two parties uh, coming in? Um, You want me to go first on that one? How I think Richard, uh, let's do Richard on that one.
1: Yeah, I can. Um, So I first put it out there. I'm, I'm not endorsing anybody. Uh, at all, uh, I will not until possibly we get closer to the convention itself, um, but even there I'm, I'm a little undecided on that uh, and the reason why is I'm running for an officer role, right? And, and the officer, no matter who gets that nomination, no matter who the delegates choose, the officers and the rest of the LNC have to work hard in order to support that campaign because it is the most, it is the only national campaign that we have that, that faces the public and that sort of thing and we cannot afford to have severe division when it comes to that. Um, now that said. The candidate that I'm hoping wins um, is going to be any candidate who is up there with a the principal message, who is not afraid of expressing that principal message to the people. Um, and uh, somebody who, um, you know, is is professional, uh, but at the same time is uncompromising in their beliefs. They, they know what our libertarian philosophy is. They've been in the party for a period of time. Um, I said, uh, and I... I very true to this uh, last May, um, and I'll, I'll dig up the post if I need to. But I, I posted publicly that I would not give my tokens to anybody uh, at the uh, national convention who had not been in our party a minimum of one year. Um, and the reason for that is, is you need to be in our party for a period of time in order to get to know uh, libertarian messaging, in order to get to know the philosophy. I love bringing over Democrats, Republicans, Independents. Uh, I'll take Green Parties, Socialists. Find a calling in our party, and they come over. I'm all good with it. But you need to be in our party for a period of time before you decide that you want to run for the highest office in the land under our banner. Um, so I would be looking for a principled Libertarian. Um, I would uh, be supportive of any of them. Uh, you know, whoever the delegates choose, that's that's who we've got, and that's who we need to make sure that we're we're pushing out there. So. Um, I don't think there is a bad candidate out there per se. Um, you know, if you if you heard what my one rule was, the only person that will not be uh, straight out getting a token at convention would be uh, you know Mr. Chafe. Um, you now he's a he's really come in. He's done a great job trying to get to know the issues. He's done a great job uh, trying to get to know people and understand our philosophy. Um, but he's not met my minimum requirements to run for that office. Um, and so for that, you know, if the delegates choose him, great, let's rock and roll with it and I'll, I'll change my tune and maybe the delegates are right. And probably they are like Ken said, nine times out of 10, I may disagree, uh, but uh, they're right. A lot of times. And, and I'm a delegate as well. And we all have our voice. And that's the beauty of our convention is our voice is not muffled. There's no um, you know, every delegate that goes has the right to cast the vote how they want. There are no super delegates or anything like that. So if the delegation chooses somebody, even if I, personally don't agree with them, I'm still going to do everything I can to support them in in order to drive this party forward. Um, Now, as far as being able to reach out to uh, small L's and that sort of thing, um, really, I feel that uh, we need a candidate who is going to be focused on winning. If anybody says that they are running and they do not intend to win, that's a problem. Right uh, Now, we all, I think, can recognize that it's highly unlikely that our presidential candidate is going to take that office. Uh, but that said, you don't run for that office thinking, I'm not going to get it. What, what's the point then? Why are you wasting everybody's time? Why are you pursuing and that sort of thing. So I would want somebody who is dedicated to the office doing everything they can. And I believe that the power of running for president is to support down-ticket candidates as much as possible. Now, I don't really like the term down-ticket. It, it is what it is in politics. You know, that means going all the way down to the county level and that sort of thing. Um, but really, we're all in this together, and those are the grassroots elections where we can actually try truly win and truly make a difference. And it is the role of the, our presidential candidate to do everything they can, while we're still a small party, to support those people. Um, now, if they wanna support people at a Senate level or uh, you know US House of Representatives level, that's great. And I would encourage that as well. But I wanna see a candidate who is nominated, who is going to do everything they can to support those local candidates and local affiliates, give candidate training, share their knowledge um, uh, and, and share their experiences and at the same time, as they earn media and as they get interviewed by people, they're not afraid to point out to the public in March that the Libertarian Party isn't just a presidential ticket, that there are local libertarians in their own backyard who are running for office and that they need to get out there and support them. So those are kind of what I'm looking for in a presidential candidate. All
2: right, Ken.
0: Um, uh, you know, I agree with a whole lot of what Richard just said. So I'm going to try to go down the things where we differ just to make this shorter. Um, 100% agree on the, the run to win thing. I mean, look if you're not running to win, voters know that, like they can tell because there's a a change in your demeanor. I realize we're a super long shot, right? We don't have the base of support. We don't have the door knockers Uh, in most neighborhoods. You know, I mean, I've watched Democrat Republican operations um, do, you know, actual door knocking for their entire slate of candidates and hit every door even the ones of people that don't vote because they're like, Hey, if that person votes, that's cool. That means we hit one more person. Um, And and additionally, you know, there is a lot on the line for us as a party ballot access is tied to the results of this race, Uh uh, depending on what state you're in. And uh, especially those of us in kind of the the Ohio Valley and this kind of general area here. Uh, I know out West, they've got, better laws which are nice i wish we had those where it's like oh yeah you have a percentage of people registered you're good uh, kentucky it literally is only on the presidential race period full stop we have to hit two percent for president or we're screwed for four years
2: it's three and, in ohio
0: yeah I, oh i know but at least you get a second <laughs> shot at governor yeah i mean we don't even get governor
2: right you're right, it, right.
0: It's, it's president or bust for us and and you know i mean and it's that way all these different states all these stupid rules um, and, and it, it, anyway, I, I am one that when it comes to a candidate and what my ideal candidate, and I will say right off the bat, I'm not going to endorse anybody because I'm also running the debates for everything, but this race, uh, national. Um, so I don't want anybody to think that I'm jaundicing anything in any way, shape or form. I will tell you my, my general principles are, I want a candidate that lives on this planet um, I want a candidate that's coachable. Uh, you, you, Hey, man, you know, and I know, and all of us listening to this know, there are some candidates that don't live on this planet. I don't know where they're from, but you're not wrong. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> I, yeah, I can name some names, but I'm that, not going to, but yeah, it's good. Is, because-
2: uh, you don't know you guys don't know this but there is a certain person whose name no one is allowed to mention on this podcast ever so i, oh. I think I, I think uh i think you guys both <laughs> may be able to guess could you
0: could you give me a, a first initial no okay <laughs> i was gonna say i don't know who this is offhand but okay um all right and then um You know, in the past, it's always been kind of a a dancing act between name ID and a credentials, right? How libertarian are you versus your name ID? Uh, This year is a really interesting thing um, that, um, and since Richard mentioned him, you know, Mr. Chafee, he's a super nice guy. I really want to make sure we don't run him out of the party. Please don't do what we did to Weld to him. Because Chafee's, like, super nice. Like, I met him in Miami. Totally different experience than meeting Weld. Like, yeah. well, was like, who the hell are you, yeah. you know, Chafee's real friendly, comes up, shakes your hand, you know, seems to genuinely want to be a part of the party. His key issues align with some of our key issues. Obviously we have a couple of other key issues that we don't align so well. I hope that he'll come around fully over time that he'll understand uh, specifically on the second amendment that, um, you know, guns are not bad, bad people are bad. Guns are not bad. Um, and so, you know, it's going to be an interesting race. I, I, and, and just the events, I mean, it's like every week, week to week, something new happens. And it, it's, this is uh, actually, since I've been involved in the party, the most interesting race. Um, probably at least since 2008, maybe the most interesting at all. Uh, you know, 2008, we had Bob Barr just kind of swoop in at the last minute and take it. Um, but I don't think that the delegates are up for that this time um i know there's been a lot of talk about justin amash i think it's probably too late for him to come over yeah uh, i think so and, too and i think that um what we've got is what we've got um you know john mons i've known for a long time he's he's known to people of my generation of the party and um but even john jumped in a little late mm-hmm. and uh i don't think anybody else is going to get in after that i mean that, that's it nobody else is going to get traction so um it's going to be really interesting to watch this race unfold um, and I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm not going to endorse anybody, but I, you know, I will note, by the way, that the, since I'm on COC and we're doing this and there's a lot of people coming to convention, day zero of the convention, May 21st, you should definitely plan to be there early. There will be probably about seven hours worth of debate, uh, and every single candidate will have the opportunity to make their appeal to the body, to those that attend. Uh, three tiers, the, the bottom tier speeches, And then there's a mid-tier and the winner of each tier goes up to the next round. So there's incentive to win um, and everybody gets heard. I think it's healthy for the party that every single person gets heard that they get to make their case. Um, And, uh, you know, I I encourage people who are coming and especially those that are going to be delegates
2: to hear every single candidate,
0: even the ones that may not be living on this planet, because there may be a grain of sanity somewhere in there.
2: I I, I said at the beginning uh, that we weren't going to do time limits or anything like that. And obviously we should have, because we've gone way long. So uh, on this last thing, um, how about no more than five minutes for your final pitch and then we'll do a quick goodbye afterward uh, after each of you has given the pitch um, uh, as to that, that would allow you to tell people how to get in contact with you, et cetera, if they want to help or, or something like that. Um, and yeah, I think that's all. That's all. So I will, uh, kind of wave my hand at the 32nd mark so you guys can wrap it up. Um, okay. so, um, do we want to flip a coin or does anybody have a preference or?
0: I, you know, Richard's been made to go first, like multiple, multiple times. And so I'm going to let him decide if he goes first or second. Yeah,
2: I've tried to just, <laughs> I, I've tried to, I've tried to go back and forth. So we don't have one person talking for 10 I, minutes straight. So, uh, and I
0: understand that because, because Richard's had to go first and then I've gone second many times. I, I feel like Richard, you, you choose either one's good with me, my friend.
1: You know, Ken, why don't, why don't you go ahead and take it first this time?
0: Okay. that That's perfectly fine. So uh, long story short, my name is Ken Mullman. I've been involved with the party since 1998 and active since 2006. Uh, I believe that the party is better when we function as a unit, when we're nice to each other. Uh, and, and I do appreciate that Alex Merced has set a precedent for this office in particular, and, and Richard and I, I both are trying to continue the tradition of being nice and trying to grow the party. Um, I, I am mostly focused, obviously, on affiliate growth. I, I think there's three main priorities of the party. Number one is hold a convention every two years where we hold our leadership accountable, we pass bylaws, we pass platform, and in presidential years, we we nominate a presidential candidate. Second most important thing is in those presidential years, we put that presidential candidate on the ballot in as many states as possible. It is our uh, headlining race, and only the national organization can really put that candidate on the ballot in all those states. Uh, and it does matter to certain states, especially for instance, like Kentucky, and others where ballot access is uh, in the balance there. In my opinion, the third most important thing National can do is growing our affiliates, building our ground team, building our grassroots, so that we can actually have long-term sustainable wins, that we can actually have teams in place that when a great candidate steps forward, and we've had some really great candidates that have stepped forward and then found that they have no support. In 2006, I managed a campaign like that. Uh, we had no fundraising lists. We had no voter lists. We had no support. The party did pay our p- filing fee. That was nice. Um, but other than that, um, we, had, we were on our own. And we had uh, about $750 versus $10 million. Uh, we found some great people along the way. We built a party out of it. And that was good. Um, but, And that is to, to what Richard is trying to do. Uh, A legitimate reason to run campaigns and and push those is that they they do help build affiliates. But long term, I believe after all these years, I I really believe that the number one thing we have to do is grow the affiliates so that there is a machine in place that when that next great candidate steps forward, they can just go to the next county meeting and say, hey, I'm running. This is my platform. Uh, Who's with me? Who's willing to knock some doors? Who's willing to make some phone calls? Who's willing to stuff envelopes which by the way is the absolute worst thing to do in politics is stuffing <laughs> envelopes um and uh you know it's, it is worse than door knocking and the the point is is that if we can get that in place then i believe that the long term it, it enables everything else if we have the actual support we have the real support then we have the support and that translates from everything from helping candidates run to election day because at the end of the day, we can do lots of astroturfing. We can, we can try to force it. Um, but unless we get the results on election day, nothing changes. The, the traditional role of third parties in this country is that it, it, after achieving 5% or greater repeatedly, a, an old party, a major party, an incumbent party will absorb at least part of that party's platform. And that goes all the way back from the Free Soil Party and the Liberty Party helping to abolish slavery, to more modern times with Ross Perot, with NAFTA reform and balancing the budget. I believe that that is why I say it's a long term thing. In the grand scheme of things, it's a short term, right? In 10 years, if we can repeatedly hit 5% in multiple races with a real base of support, then the old parties will either adopt our platforms or alternately, we will continue to grow because they refuse to adopt it. And that is that's the free market of the political system that we live in Uh, even though it is rigged against us and even though uh, it is difficult to win um, we have had wins we will continue to grow we'll continue to build our farm teams if we continue to build our support mechanisms for those farm teams on the ground and so that's pretty much what I'm about save money grow parties and uh, if you want to know more about me uh, my website the easy way to get there because my name is german and hard to spell is k m ken molman km the number four vc for vice chair.com so km4vc.com that'll redirect you to the website that spells my difficult to spell name and uh, i do hope that uh, if nothing else uh, you'll consider the platform that i'm bringing forth at least consider uh what i'm trying to do and trying to emphasize I hope that you do find affiliate support to be uh, the third most important thing that the national party does. And uh, if nothing else, I'll see you in Austin. Thank you very much for your time today. Thanks to Aaron. Thanks to Richard for being in the race. Um, and that, that's, that's it. That's my you, pitch.
2: You hit it perfectly on five minutes. Um, nice.
1: I didn't so even time it. Hold
2: <laughs> that was pretty impressive. Um, Richard, um, I'll, uh, you, if you're ready to go, I'll start the clock in about two seconds. And uh, sure. so go right ahead.
1: All right. Well, I will try to hit it right on five minutes. We'll see what we can do. Um, first off, I just want to thank uh, uh, you, Aaron, for for having uh, this uh, kind of debate roundtable. However, people want to view it. It's uh, it's been a real pleasure. I have really enjoyed uh, talking with Ken, talking with you, and clarifying some of those issues. Um, and just so everybody knows, I believe this is only the uh, second vice presidential, or excuse me, second vice chair debate uh, that's happened before convention uh, in quite some time. Last year being the first uh, with 71 Republic, uh, and before that, I can't remember the last vice chair debate that happened prior to conventions. So a great job and, and way to be on top of it and be aware that there are issues issues there so uh, as far as uh, uh, all the delegates that are out there and anybody else who's interested uh, once again my name is Richard Longstreth I'm running for vice chair of the LNC um, I believe that there are some things that we really need to focus on as a party um, we must maintain ballot access 100 That that is without question uh, there was a period of time where we achieved it and then we lost it we cannot afford to take any steps backwards we must maintain 50 state ballot access uh, and it has to be one of our top priorities uh, the way we We do that is by focusing on campaigns and focusing on our affiliates and doing everything that we can in order to support those two areas. Um, It's kind of a which came first, the chicken or the egg sort of situation. Uh, Do you need your affiliates to grow large first before you get successful campaigns? or do you start to develop campaign resources in order to truly grow uh, the affiliates and I think both are very important. I think that if you get a lot of membership coming in and you don't have resources available for them to to be outlets for their volunteer work and that sort of thing, uh, you're going to quickly lose those activists and volunteers and so that's why we need to continue to prop up uh, programs and campaigns and that sort of thing in order to keep people engaged and interested in our movement. Uh, We need to work on our branding and messaging a little bit and that ties into professionalism and what we as a party want to be going forward um and uh a real big part of that is taking a look at our staff uh and what they are doing and seeing if we need to make some changes there are we operating as if we are a small party uh, barely able to maintain uh 50 state ballot access or do we want to take it to the next level and do everything we can in order to make sure that uh uh, staff has the resources it needs to do the jobs that the LNC puts on it uh, and to be innovative and come up with new projects such as the membership portal uh, that our newest executive director, uh, Mr. Fishman, has, has started working on. So uh, there is a lot of opportunity out there to see our party grow. Uh, I want to be intimately involved in helping that growth and, and working across caucus and factional lines in order to uh, really professionalize our organization and move us forward. Um, our focus needs to be working on standing together, working together uh, and doing everything that we can to move this party forward. And the only way we do that is by having open communication with each other and really listening to each other and um You know, reevaluating things just because we start a program. If we don't, if that program isn't working out, we need to be able to reevaluate after a certain amount of time to decide if it's worth continuing our efforts on that. Um, And we need to be able to innovate and come up with creative solutions. And if we don't have the resources in house, we can't be afraid to outsource those resources and and see if we can come up with the money for those resources uh, as needed. So um, and that's pretty much what I'm about, is I wanna see us focus on those uh, areas. I think that we have a lot of opportunity in order to get back in touch with our grassroots and continue to grow our party uh, in all sorts of amazing ways. Um, I have a vision that will help uh, help us do that. My past experience as an operations manager uh, and time on the LNC, as well as time on state leadership in various roles, ranging from uh, county expansion to vice chair uh, and campaigns as well as my own congressional campaign in 2016 all lend to different aspects that every libertarian in one way or another, uh, has to experience as we continue to grow this party. Uh, so I will be focusing on those sorts of things, uh, if elected, I really appreciate if anybody, uh, uh has any support for me that they, uh, reach out to me, uh, where, uh, they can do that, uh, through Facebook. Uh, if you go to facebook.com slash libertarian longstreth, that's my last name, L O N G S T R E T H. Uh, You can find uh, my Facebook page and social media. Um, You can volunteer through there. You can see kind of what I'm posting. I also have a group where it's open for public comment, um, and I encourage you to reach out there. I've also got the ability to donate. Message me if you want to volunteer, donate, or whatever you want to do to support my campaign. I I truly appreciate uh, any support. And if you don't support me and you'd rather support Ken, I'm great with that too. It's all about moving our party forward and working together to do that. So uh, I'll see you in Austin regardless and uh, possibly at your state convention coming up.
2: Great. Uh, you're 17 seconds off, but I know I saw that. (laughs) Um, it's okay. Um, one thing I I do want to thank you both for coming on and how you conducted yourself, um, yourselves. Um, I, I think one thing I have got out of this is both of you, I think have the temperament, uh, to, to fill that kind of second banana role because it is kind of, It is an internal, let's get along, move things forward position. And I think both of neither one of you seem to be um, grandstanders or backbiters or anything like that. So I really appreciate that. Um, Is there any other misconceptions, factual things, anything that we didn't hit or that we got wrong? I don't think so. But
1: no, I think you've done a really good job, Aaron, uh, and, and you've been really fair. Um, you know, if Ken is interested or if you're interested down the road, uh, maybe shortly before convention, we can circle back around and see how the campaigns develop and see uh, where things go from there and see if maybe there's some changes in in that, if 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 there's interest in that. Uh, if there's not, I understand, but I, I would love to do this again
2: with you guys. Yeah, the door the door's open for, for that, I think. Um, uh, Ken, one final word or no?
1: No, I, uh, thanks for
0: doing it. I mean, honestly, you know, uh, Rich, again, Richard's not my enemy. The enemy is outside, guys. I mean, that's, I just want to reemphasize. The enemy is not inside our party. The enemy is outside our party. The enemy is the people taking our liberties away.
2: Got it.
0: Arguing, we're arguing over nuances of how to get to fight the enemy. So, you know, at the end of the day, as long as we're at least focused on the right enemy, we're, we're at least got the guns pointed in the right damn
1: direction.
2: Great. Uh, I, 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 really appreciate your time today and I look forward to seeing both of you in Austin and, uh, we'll see you then. Okay.
1: All right. Very good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye-bye.
2: And there you have it. Thanks to Ken and Richard for their participation. We wish them the best of luck in their campaigns. We also want you to get plugged in with the Mises caucus and you do that by going to lpmesascaucus.com signing up for email updates and giving to Mises Pack. Also, thanks to Dave versus Goliath for the great intro and outro music. We'll see you in a few days with we hope Joshua Smith, the Mises Caucus endorsed candidate for chairman of the Libertarian Party. We'll see you next time. Thanks.